Hello and welcome to the Master's Voice podcast series here on MediaBrief.com. My name is Pawan R. Chawla. With me today is a wonderful industry veteran who very generously consented to being on this series on this podcast. Give me time on the sidelines of Fiki Frames 2019 in Mumbai. Jim Egan. Jim has been leading BBC Global News Limited for close to 7 years as CEO and is responsible for leading the BBC's commercially funded news business with P&L responsibility for a 100 million pounds turnover and a weekly audience of 95 million people globally. BBC Global News Limited operates the BBC World News Channel and bbc.com/news, the BBC's international news website. Before becoming CEO, Jim was director strategy and distribution for 5 years at BBC Global News, setting and implementing strategy for the BBC's international news, current affairs and sports content in 28 languages and for its distribution to audiences of more than 250 million people worldwide. Jim is one of the most reputed industry veterans globally with more than 20 years of illustrious experience which includes 4 years as Ofcom's first strategy director he was also part of the launch team Jim led on broadcasting policy development and the UK's digital switchover process he also served as specialist advisor to secretary of state for culture media and sport Jim has also been with B Sky B for 2 years and with PwC as principal consultant for 7 years before that So here's Jim Egan with me I'm Pavan Archawla on mediabeef.com and let's go straight into the conversation with Jim Egan CEO BBC Global News Limited Jim you are CEO BBC Global News mm-hmm. what are your primary mandates there uh making the numbers add up So <laughs> it is uh, it's uh, it's a fascinating sector to work in. Um it is a it's a hackneyed term but it's a genuine privilege to represent uh, the BBC particularly in internationally which is an organization which is widely known and also generates a certain amount of respect in cert- certain parts of the world. Um we're not uh we're not loved everywhere. I should stress that and there are many markets where actually we have quite a difficult time but uh, nevertheless running the commercial news uh, subsidiary uh, my main job is to try to ensure that we do so on a way which at least breaks even and hopefully generates a little bit of a surplus in a really fast moving media landscape not just here in india but right right around uh, the world um, but it's something which is um, which pays for itself just about uh co- commercially but of course is also something that we think at the BBC is very important um and to be working in and around news at such a an unprecedented time of turbulence but also interest in national and international events is uh, it's has enduring appeal for me what are the most cherished sacrosanct if you will values and principles of the BBC as a news organization so i suppose how would i answer that we 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 talk about impartiality independence accuracy balance those sorts of things which you might regard as being very predictable really um and they're certainly old values they're things that the bbc started writing down in the 1920s uh, and and 30s but uh, i think we're we're not embarrassed about that that we regard those as you know enduring values of journalism they're certainly not unique to the bbc lots of other organizations mm-hmm. pursue those values but i think what's important about them 
as people fret about fake news and disinformation and so on is that we stay true to those values we don't lose sight of them and I don't think it's right to regard them as old-fashioned or legacy or outdated actually they're even more important perhaps in 2019 than they've ever been. Yes, they are timeless, aren't they? So, some of the major concern areas in the space of news and the society that it serves mm. are, uh, to my mind, fake news, hate speech, election interference, and harassment. In fact, Facebook has been receiving enormous flack and censure for for mm. these on its various platforms. Mm. So, um, at the BBC, what do you see as the biggest concern areas, and how do you work? to ensure that your news teams don't end up abetting them innocently. Right, so um, I think the primary focus for the BBC is for us to continue doing what we've always been doing, as I you know, hinted in my, in my uh, previous answer. So um, although we are concerned about fake news, I think our focus is more on ensuring the BBC continues to do real news um, and that whether that uh, content appears on the BBC's own outlets or on Facebook or Google or Twitter, that we, again, we are sticking to those values of journalism um, and that we are being a source of news information that people can trust. Um, I think we are also as open as we can be in recognising that the BBC, like every other news organisation, isn't right 100% of the time. Um, and we do make mistakes. I think that's inevitable for uh, any journalistic organisation that is doing serious work and it's important for us to own, own up to those mistakes uh, and to concede that they have been made when, when they occur. Um, but we are concerned about fake news um, as any serious news organisation, as any citizen should be because it's a global phenomenon that's... Um, Really, it's a term that's entered just everyday language, having really not been recognised until three or three or four four years ago. It's something that we see playing out in every market around the world, and particularly at election time, um, it is a serious issue. And we've got um, big investigations underway, including criminal investigations in the UK. Um, about what happened during the referendum in 2016 uh, where the decision was taken for the UK to leave the uh, EU. Big concerns about funding, uh, ownership, um, sources of in information and also the way in which that information was ta targeted. Um, so it is a, it's a global phenomenon, uh, some, something that we're seeing. And here in India, we are, as uh, the election campaign gathers speed, we are trying to do a small number of practical things to make a positive difference to that. I'm sure it's completely innate to everybody at the BBC to be careful about the news that they cover and to make sure that it's completely vetted properly. Do you also have a process? I mean, like a reporter files copy, for instance, and the desk looks at it for, mm -hmm. you know, everything, the headline, you know, the journalistic news desk thing. Do you also have something now which is akin to a news desk but which actually wets the news for accuracy just to make sure that you don't, well, nobody gets yeah, into I, the I the um, Is that a process? Yeah, you know, much, much of that process is, is a process that's existed for decades, right? It hasn't, hasn't really changed uh, right. very, very much. And that's something that um, our trainee journalists who join the BBC are schooled in. They go, go through a program. We have a 300-page um, set of editorial guidelines which are published uh, on the web. Um, we also have an area of our website which talks about why you can trust the BBC. Uh, now, 
people have different views on whether or not they may be able to trust the, the, the BBC and we're under a huge amount of pressure in the UK, particularly because we're going through such a hotly contested political period uh, right, right, right now. So um, there are, you know, lots of pockets, whether it's in the UK or elsewhere uh, around the world, who don't necessarily buy the argument that the BBC is trustworthy and lives up to the uh, highest highest values. But it's something which the organisation has kind of professional practice in. There is a culture at the BBC, um, which actually, to a large degree, goes unspoken. So um, I was fascinated when I joined the BBC 12 years ago that nobody ever talks about their own political views and preferences. And it's not as a consequence of someone saying to you on day one, never speak about these things. It just becomes very evident uh, as soon as you've been in the building for an hour or two that certain things are simply not not done. Um, and so I think it's, it's a combination of that practice but also that culture that hopefully means that we can sustain uh, journalism which is largely accurate, wholly impartial, uh, balanced and so on despite the turbulence of everything that's happening right now. How do you see the new space in India, Jim? A, in terms of the quality editorially on ethics, etc., and two, on the business front. So um, I'm very careful not to uh, give sort of ignorant or sort of par- partially informed views on the med- media sector uh, anywhere where we, where we, where we work. Um, you know, I, I will say that it's um, turning on the, the TV news uh, in India and uh, scro- scrolling through the channels can be quite an exhausting experience uh, you know they are they are busy channels often quite voluble ones uh, um, and you know that's that's clearly what audiences like and you know that's that's the practice and it's become the uh, est- established norms and I sometimes look at our channel um, scrolling up and down through the EPG and I think oh my goodness you know it's it's a bit empty here it's a, it's a bit barren and our thing things moving a bit slowly, but that's the way we've chosen to run our channel, and it's different and to many of the Indian uh, ch- channels here, and perhaps not to everybody's taste. But that's that's the particular view view that we have. But um, it's a market that's, that's vibrant in every sense, not just editorially, but also financially, and you know it's growing at a rate that you don't see uh, in many other places around the world, certainly not in big markets to be seeing advertising rates of 13%, 14 15% uh, going up uh, year on year. So it's one that's also um, full of opportunity and potential, and we're very happy to play a small but hopefully meaningful part here in the Indian landscape and to see our position growing. And now with the elections around the corner, it's going to get far more voluble, right? It's, it's, it's inevitable, I suppose, that the, the, the election uh, is taking place. It's a huge democratic um, exercise, unlike anything we see anywhere else uh, in, in the world. So that, that sort of electoral event is something that we try to portray and describe to our audiences outside India who don't understand uh, India as well. Uh, there's a huge, huge amount at stake. Um, both economically and also in terms of national and regional security, of course. So, um, yeah, the, the, the focus of the world's attention will be on India over the next um, couple of months, and we'll be doing our best to tell that story. Today, most news channels in India are in the red. What would you say a not-so-successful news channel, which may be editorially pretty good, uh, needs to do to get out of the red, in India, that is? Well, it's... Um, 
that that's that's an issue I have a huge amount of sympathy with because um, BBC World News and BBC.com, as your readers and followers may know, is solely commercially funded, so we don't receive any public funding our, ourselves. And if you want to run a high-quality editorial outlet, particularly a news channel, you know, it's it's an expensive game. Um, you have a lot of fixed cost in the business. Not m- very much of it is variable. And you have huge and increasing uncertainty um, about revenue sources, even in a market like India, which is growing so so quickly. But not all of the growth is going towards news. Uh, not all of the growth is going towards TV channels uh, right. within news and so on. So we've, we've found in, in recent years diversifying revenue, building out an online presence where there has been more more growth has been successful for us um, but it's also important for us that in India we are we are paid for our carriage we do not pay for carriage um, that's not something that's sort of the result of strategic brilliance and insight we simply couldn't afford to buy carriage here in India so our position has always been that we're only going to be carried if we are paid paid for um, and we're delighted that we're able to sustain that yeah, it's also the quality and the the brilliance of uh, your entire channels and their propositions. Oh, you're very kind. That's Thanks really, for saying so. No, no, no. How has the new tariff order impacted the <laughs> BBC in India? Do you think, or it's too early to say? Uh, well, you've uh, you've stole, stolen my answer there. I think I think we were we were very concerned about how that might play out because the BBC is basically a standalone uh, chat channel here, and you know we're an international channel in the English language. You know we are somewhat marginal on the, on the landscape. So things are still settling down, but so far we are a bit more optimistic about how it may play out, actually. Certainly compared to um, originally, we were we were deeply concerned about what it may mean for us. But uh, so far, things seem to be going not too badly. Yeah. And uh, what do you see the new tariff order doing to the television industry in India? Impossible to answer at this stage. I think we're, we're only, only at the dawn of that. But speaking with um, some of the operators here in uh, India, people are certainly quite concerned about what the consequences uh, may, may be. I think um, we're also, we really don't know enough yet about what the subscriber reaction is going to be because we're just at the stage of people moving from their old packs and bouquets to really being in this um, a la carte world. Um, but it's it's a seismic change, I think, both for platform operators uh, and also for broadcasters and subscribers uh, themselves. We've seen some similar things uh, else elsewhere, but it's quite rare for such a dr- dramatic change to be to be happening. But as far as I can tell, um, players seem to be complying with the new order. Subscribers are starting to get their heads heads around it, and uh, we're going to be watching it very closely. Well, thank you so much, Jim, for that insightful conversation, that chat. Thank you very much for being on MediaBrief.com. Thanks very much for your time today, Pavan. It's been a pleasure to meet you here in Mumbai. Thanks for your interest in the BBC. Mm-hmm.